Chris, good morning. Good morning, Carsten. How are you doing? Doing great. Um, that was quite a ride to start that one, right? Oh, yeah. The, the idea was there fast, but, you know, it's always the technology. Oh, man. It's a toughie, right? But I think that's what, what we're here for now, to talk about technology, the whereabouts, how to make life more fun, enjoying all this stuff. So, yeah, I think it fits the context perfectly. Exactly. Who are you, by the way? I'm just another guy on the internet, I guess. I'm, I'm one of those people that's, that's who do everything anonymously. Please tell us the truth. So, who are you? Yeah, uh, I'm Christopher Branston. Um, I'm 34 years old. Um, I'm a developer evangelist uh, for Zuse Linux based in Nuremberg. Um, I love technology. I've been working with open source most of my career. Um, I love the background of it. I love the community aspect of it. Like one of my main jobs at the moment is actually building a new community for SUSE where I work. Um, and I just love anything fun, tech, online, cloud. That's exactly my thing. So. And you are, you are, uh, uh, you are such a, such a digital native, aren't you? Uh, because oh, when I yeah. asked you for your handle, for your Twitter handle, you were like, what is Twitter? Right? Uh, who is time. Twitter? So it's not gonna, it's, it's not gonna work out. Um, and you are a, a developer evangelist, aren't you? Uh, yes, right. I am. I'm actually not so much blessed with the big developing history, but I've been working with developers, with coders, with people who create tech um, all my career, which has been uh, oh, more than a decade now. So, um, yeah, I guess. Uh, I like to communicate. I like to bring people together. I like to bring people into projects so they can create even better stuff. So that's where I talk. That's what I do. <laughs> and uh, is there a point of time where you would basically uh, take a break uh, from speaking or are you just talking? <laughs> well, you know, there was this one time when I was traveling back home from Seattle to Nuremberg. Yeah. And my charger broke. <laughs> my phone was empty. Um, so that was kind of 10 minutes silence until I found the online terminal that they were giving away for Shut free up. at the fast food <laughs> shop. Up. So. Shut up. Um, I'm in control here. I can mute you. So um, perhaps let me let me introduce myself uh, uh, to the ever-growing audience uh, of one viewer. You know, we need to start somewhere. Carsten um, Samaschke, I'm a developer. Uh, uh, I'm CEO of Cloudical, Cloud Native Consultancy, and I'm pretty much the one trying to get you silenced. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Um, Chris, what are we doing here? Why are we basically uh, exposing ourselves and uh, ultimately, uh, I don't know, uh, pretend to have an understanding of what we are talking about? Yeah, so I think well, actually one of the most interesting conversations I had the last couple of days was when we started talking and you were saying, you know, like your whole life is Cloudical, my whole life is Zuse. That kind of does limit where you think and where you have to go because, yeah, it pays my check. You know, I, I have a mission there. Um, but since we do love what we're doing and as you mentioned, I'm a digital native, you know, I've been I've been working, playing around, using IT all my life. And you had the great idea. We need a format where we don't talk for our companies, 
but we talk for ourselves. We talk to the community. We talk about what we care. Nobody can censor us. And, you know, we can have a little of know, fun and you. talk about cool stuff. I can censor you. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, you're a CEO, right? So I'm back yes. to the old game. Yes. Oh, man. Yes. But it's okay. I feel, <laughs> a, I feel a lot freer, you know? Like, this, this, this doesn't feel so much like a work meeting, and it shouldn't be one. We're not going to kind of present or in my case i'm an evangelist i'm not gonna advocate so much of any brand any image any company um but that is that is something um we want to advocate right to some extent we want to advocate because what we want to to basically advocate for and what we want to stand for is basically uh, to to make the world see that there is perhaps more around the corner than just you know the major ones playing their games uh, that we basically uh, uh, we, we want to embrace uh, open source we want to embrace clouds we want to embrace development stuff um, but we do not want to limit ourselves to basically the likes of microsoft google uh, uh, and amazon and perhaps our companies we want to have a look you know a little bit further uh, we want to see things um, that perhaps are not that common over time we want to create yeah. a community and we are totally aware of that might That, that might take some time um, but nonetheless uh, um, and that is basically what we want to do right and in this uh, conversation and uh, in, in what we do here at the moment we basically uh, uh, want to, to establish a new format where we would basically discuss uh, some uh, 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 news that occurred in the last days in the past week uh, um, and we want to, to discuss things a little bit perhaps more in detail we will, we will join Uh, we will be joined later on, not today, but in later episodes by guests. We want to um, ultimately um, give a room for guests, right? Uh, we want to make them uh, uh, discuss things with us. We want to make them uh, uh, ultimately uh, take a position. Um, and yeah, Provoke that, is basically, them. that is basically our idea of what we want to achieve here, right? Um, yeah. So this... this webcast is not a webcast alone uh, we will we will publish it it via uh, uh, podcasting uh, environments as well so um, whoever wants to to join us in here is highly appreciated uh, um, and can do that either by watching our live stream or the recorded video or uh, the webcast uh, the, the, sorry the podcast later on um, so That is basically what we want to do. So, or put it shortly, and being pretty honest, we have no idea of what we are doing because we oh, don't want oh, to. Have I, I practiced. Idea. I practiced this one. Please like, subscribe, share, and comment. Uh, that, that's that what all the right cool now? YouTubers uh, say. Uh, where shall I do that? Well, on. Twitch, on YouTube, on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Uh, we'll probably put it on Facebook. Are we missing anything? Uh, we could make a Slack channel. If you want, I'll make a Trello board and invite people. Oh, oh yeah, please, <laughs> please make a Trello board. But um, Chris, that basically, uh, uh, isn't, that, isn't that basically uh, um, leading us uh, uh, already uh, uh, to uh, some extent towards our... Uh, uh, um, towards our uh, uh, um, topic. I mean, you just mentioned a lot of companies like like uh, Facebook, uh, Trello, and so on and so forth. Yeah. You as a developer advocate, you as an open source advocate, 
Are they well known for open source? Is Trello open well, kind of. Yeah, you know, open source is the new normal, um, and open source is becoming more and more a way of thinking. <laughs> a lot of companies let you believe, you know, that they're all open and they're doing this thing, but um, very, very often it's more a mindset they are adapting, but their actual software is still kind of closed, kind of proprietary, um, mentioning, you know, hearing some of the companies I just mentioned. Um, but the cool thing is, and I, I think maybe that's a great start. Maybe we each can say what's important about open source for us. And for me, uh, more than it's free software and you don't have to pay for it. And I, you know, can copy and paste the code from somewhere from GitHub, from the project itself. For me, it's about the openness, the inclusion, the fairness, making stuff accessible. And that's where I come in at the moment. I've always had a hard time as a non-professional developer, you know, um, getting into certain projects, getting people to talk to me, to listen to me. Um, and I want to open this up. I want to take everything I know and share it with the world. I want to um, kind of advocate and animate other companies to do the same and to be fair and say, how accessible is this what I'm doing? Are there ways to learn? Are there ways to collaborate? Are we inclusive? You know, this typical stuff that developers sometimes but do. Then we are then we are getting pretty close to politics, aren't we? Isn't that isn't that something uh, uh, we both want to avoid? So do we want to avoid that? Is there you know a need for us to avoid it, or are we free no. to do that? I mean, this is censor free, so I'm guessing why why would we avoid it? You know, it always depends. Am I radical? <laughs> Damn it. No, I was not able to mute you. Damn it. I just tried. Um, <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we want to be open. We want to be honest. We want to advocate you, frankly. Um, but we want to advocate you for a good thing, right? Uh, uh, for, for basically uh, the good side of things, the bright side of life. We are so bad. But but speaking of, Ooh, of wow. advocating and speaking of being good and on the bright side, uh, would you mind telling the audience what your notebook is running at? Oh, it's it's running on a on a pen and paper. This is actually my original uh, notebook. So uh, I, I, yeah, I you know. I was more looking into uh, uh, the kind of um, the kind of uh, uh, electronic one. Oh, I thought it was time for the bad joke. So sorry about that. But, um, you know, um, I'm running Microsoft Windows on my laptop um, and I love running Microsoft Windows. Been a heavy user ever th since 3.11 <laughs> when we kind of tried to go into visuals from uh, standard DOS. And I love what they're doing. It's worked for me. It's it's kind of, you know, interconnectable. I do have a lot of contact with a lot of people at basically any place on the earth, different formats, different tools they use, depending on where they're from, depending on who they work for. And Microsoft makes it possible for me to actually, you know, connect to those people. Oh my God, that was too much. <laughs> Now you've logged off. No, no, I'm still there. I'm still there. Uh, I just managed to, to, to stop my camera. Um, um, that was quite awesome. Uh, and now I'm Chris Branson. That's awesome. Um, so, <laughs> I am back, uh, uh, we are back, um, but, but in, when, we, when we talked about those things up front, how did you call yourself? Awesome. Thank you, dear camera. That is so amazing. Oof. How did you well, call yourself? Can I, ca you, can you, can you, I, I called myself, 
a developer evangelist. No, 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 no. You, you use a different term. You used a oh a digital term. native. No, 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 no. Not that one. The term you used was basically worst developer evangelist in the world, worst open source oh. evangelist in the world. That was the term oh, yeah. you used for yourself. Um, so this this is an interesting one, Carsten. This is a real that, interesting that's why one. I'm asking about that. Yeah, it's you know I, I I do get fronted a lot. I work with developers. Developers love terminals. They love the CLI. You know, it's fast. It's quick. It's clean. It doesn't distract you, and that's okay. But the thing is, um, since I don't spend all of my day coding, um, I'm heavily, for one, dependent on very very good visuals. How can I set up my workplace, my workstation, multitasking, multiple windows? And that's where generally a user interface comes into the game. And yeah. I do love KDE. I love GNOME. I love even X window manager or stuff like that, that you can get on Linux, um, which makes working with Linux fun to me too. But on a business and professional level with something like this, you know, I'm doing a live stream. It needs to work. Um, and that's okay, where I was talking, you know, from my end, I just uh, 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 threw another like 800 euros uh, uh, towards uh, uh, Adobe uh, because I was mm. trying to live with uh, GIMP for quite a while for graphics. Um, and I was doing that uh, on my Mac as well as my Surface Book. Um, and let me put it that way. I threw 800 bucks on Adobe in the end. Uh, because it did not work out. So open source um, um, and, and basically free open software. Again, I totally love it. But on the desktop, it's not there yet, isn't it? Um, I, I have my doubts yeah. that it will ever be there in a way that is basically not only appealing to towards the, 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 the pro-grade developer, um, but also to the prosumer or to the consumer. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's part of the problem there from my perspective. Yeah. You know, um, I was talking about accessibility, um, about inclusion, about fairness. And, you know, coming from that point, is it fair to say I'm creating a system that only a certain percentage of the world can use because you have to be very technical, you have to yeah, go yeah, into yeah, deep yeah, technology? Yeah. Or, you know, is it fairer that some of the companies are spending multi-billions to create a button and say, you know, click here, <laughs> click here. It does the trick for you. But is open source then dead, DOA, dead on arrival? Or would it perhaps make sense to, to distinguish a little bit about where open source is to be used uh, uh, and, and why to use it? Yeah, I I mean, for one, you know, coming, coming from my actual job, um, I sell server-side software for huge infrastructures, for cloud systems, containerization, virtualization. Mm -hmm. um, and there, Linux is a very, very sweet option because with all the resource you need, a desktop would take resource, visuals would take resource. Yeah. That's just the swiftest and best option. But on my private machine, where I'm not doing any heavy computing, or at least, you know, that's not the main task I'll be doing. I want to browse the web, I want to listen to music, look at Netflix, whatever. Um, it's just a different world. And I'm figuring, um, I've been following a lot of the open source stuff. Um, I've used Ubuntu, the new version of Ubuntu, the new version of OpenSUSE. It's, it, it's getting there, you know. I 
plug in my USB yeah, stick. Always, always for, for like a month. And then you basically realize it's not getting there, at least not on a desktop. Although I love, G I, I love GNOME, I love K. Um, I really like it. Customizability is awesome. But it, when it gets to real productive work, um, again, not, not developing things. Totally, uh, I'm totally with every developer in this world who is, who is telling me to use uh, Linux for, for, for cloud backend development. Totally on his side. I, I would do the same uh, because in that regard, it's completely easy. Um, but uh, uh, try to open Word or do, do text processing, create a, a nifty looking kind of presentation, um, do something which amazes my mother. Um, not gonna work. <laughs> Definitely not gonna work, and, and that is a problem. Then, um, and from my perspective, it is actually something uh, um, that if you if you if you work professionally with open source, you would know that, right? Uh, you would know that there is good things and bad things, and uh, things it is meant yeah. for, and things where it does not come into the game. At least not from a kind of systemical approach. Um, Linux on a desk desktop, from my perspective, not going to happen in the next few months or years. Besides, perhaps, those kind of crippled uh, Linux on Windows kind of uh, uh, subsystems done by Microsoft, which directly and uh, niftily uh, and, and uh, nicely leads us to, to uh, basically one of our main containers today, which is Microsoft. But what do you think yeah. of WSL? Well, um, it's, it's nifty. It's nifty to play around, you know, because you're running a Linux kernel natively on your Windows machine. Yeah. Um, and what we're talking about there, it's kind of, you know, th th that's where I see one of the problems. They're talking a lot about is as if they reinvented the wheel. But, you know, we've been working with virtualization for like the last 20 years, 15 yeah, years, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's running a machine on a machine, and that's kind of not the magic. But the magic behind it is that what Microsoft is showing there is kind of a form of inclusion, maybe to target a new user group saying like, you know, we, we know we see you people running Linux out there, but if you want to run Linux in one system without having any hassle, hey, go and take it. Um, but I've tried it out. I've, I've you know, done, done different stuff, connected up my Linux machine with a cloud-based system, been using it to develop with Visual Studio Code on GitHub and another cloud instance. And that's pretty, pretty smooth. Um, but it's also, you know, n nothing not new. Like, why would I do this? It's then again, not a real thing. I, I mean, I do that uh, because then again, I'm pretty much as you. I like Linux Terminal. Um, it's awesome. Uh, there's nothing which comes close to it on the Windows level, right? PowerShell is like... Yeah. You know, um, it's, 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 it's like the these guys who buy... They, they buy a brand new Ferrari and it looks awesome and it has this really, really great paint job. And because they're scared for their paint job, they put foil on it. They have it foiled, yeah. you know, yeah. to protect and to have an even greater color. And that's kind of where I see WSL at the moment. You know, it's putting Absolutely. new color into the game, um, giving you new, new options. But, you know, for, for anybody trying to use this for business or productivity, hmm. Yeah, so you know. We'll go more into that next time, I guess. Uh, uh... Because I feel like I want to discuss it a little bit more. But we want to, uh, at least on the first kind of episode, um, 
we, we should we should and want perhaps to to uh, look onto some of the news that were going on. Um, yeah, I'm just uh, um, overblending that. And uh, why the hell is the wrong camera visible here? I hate it. Drans with us. Uh, that should be that one. Now I'm visible the right way. You are not visible, by the way, which is. Uh, Sorry which, for that. Which um, is maybe better. Did we did we get isn't. more uh, more viewers by not showing me for a while? No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, but the first thing I, I want to discuss with you, and I tried to get you in the picture here as well. Give me a second. That should work out as well. So I can at least have you now in here. Um, include in switcher i want to see the switcher where is the switcher i hate it that's new technology never did that before i'm not able to work it out properly if only there were a button to press um okay uh, you are visible um can you can you uh, uh, uh let's let's talk about the first news um, because it basically mm -hmm. uh, uh, plays a little bit into uh, uh, what we discussed about already um, and that is basically that kind of uh, microsoftification of uh, uh, basically the internet um, last yeah. week uh, at, at, at docker build uh, microsoft actually uh, uh, um, announced something jointly with uh, um, uh, uh, docker um, which is basically, um, which is basically, uh, um, they they uh, want to, as it is written down here, they want to boost developer productivity by including Docker into Windows Azure. No, no, it's not Windows Azure, Microsoft Azure. So, but if you read through that statement, what it actually, what it actually reads is like, yeah. Um, you can basically use Docker Compose uh, to run your Docker containers on Azure natively. So you do not have the need to basically um, include and bring in, um, I don't know, uh, something like um, a, an, a, a fully featured orchestrator. Um, actually, they are writing about that. Uh, so we do not need to, to have some sort of orchestrator in place. And we all know which orchestrator might be meant in that regard, right? Um, so my point here and my question here is, what do we think of that? What the hell? So I, I actually, I read the article uh -huh. and it got me thinking. So I remember when, when Docker popped up as a project mm -hmm. and what Docker did, it, it kind of did the Microsoft move. <laughs> it spent a lot of time and investment in becoming a standard for containers. So yeah. everybody started building Docker container images. Um, if we think on about that, a cool thing about containers and Docker images was you could deploy code from Docker right into a container. Absolutely. Made life awesome for developers. But going one step further, Microsoft purchased GitHub. <laughs> so yeah, you know, now I have... <laughs> On one side, Docker and Microsoft with GitHub and deploying stuff on Microsoft software. Well, you know, do I need to say more about this? Yeah, you do need because, um, um, frankly, um, I was I was basically having a lot of conversations with uh, people over the past weeks 
Um, and what I feel like is, and you, you actually said that, I just want to, to um, make that a little bit more obvious and more clear. What they basically try to do here is to get you into their ecosystem, right? They use some sort of yep. an open source approach, such as Docker, um, and um, basically uh, use it as some sort of a, tro of a Trojan horse in that regard. Um, so, because what we are talking about here is not Docker community, that is basically Docker Inc., which has been sold to, to uh, Marantas, I guess. Um, and what yep. they are basically doing is they, they basically try to restart the next kind of uh, 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 operator wars. And those operator wars have been won by Kubernetes, um, by a true community-driven project, right? By a true open source project. Um, and what Microsoft is doing here is basically, um, since Kubernetes has a very steep learning curve, um, obviously, um, what, but what they try to do is they ultimately, uh, uh, by, by saying, okay, yeah, it's way easier. Uh, you do not need to learn about any kind of orchestrator. They make you dependent on their ecosystem. And that is what drives me mad. That is what basically gets me started. Um, that kind vendor of vendor lock-in. Lock Sorry, pardon? A vendor lock-in. Yeah, that kind of vendor lock-in um, um, is basically the worst thing that a developer would ever want to have. Um, but by reading that kind of announcement, um, I was like uh, uh, kicked pretty much immediately. Uh, uh, I felt like, yeah, no, um, that is... That is the new vendor login. And that's the interesting thing. The new vendor login, the vendor login 2.0 is not happening on the software level. It's going to happen on the infrastructure level. And that is the, the bad thing. That is basically the Trojan horse there. You feel like, yeah, my software is open. I can run my software anywhere. You can't because you do not build up the knowledge to do that. You are basically trapped into Microsoft's ecosystems because they are the only one. Uh, basically allowing you to run Docker Compose kind of scripts with their container images on their platform. Um, and that is, that is not easy. That is basically uh, um, still not having found the right words for that. I feel like it is so dangerous. Um, it's unfair. It's uninclusive. It is. It's, act it's pretty funny because I'm wearing my OpenStack Global Bug Smash t-shirt that I got from the OpenStack Global Bug Smash. Give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. I need to switch the camera over to you. Now it is visible. Yeah, uh, I have my OpenStack Bug Smash t-shirt. And OpenStack was a project, or it's a project, um, for a cloud framework to create yeah. your own private cloud. And... A couple of years ago, when I walked around into large-scale industry companies saying, like, cloud is awesome, I heard and all. And the answer was, like, well, it's, it's insecure. I have to pump all my data, all my workflows, processes into the Internet and make myself dependent. And here was I saying, well, open source can save you. OpenStack is a beautiful project. You take it, you make out of it what you want to make out of it, but you're the own owner of your cloud. And I think it's more relevant now than ever. And I think we'll have a lot more interesting conversations about the topic private cloud than we had the last couple of months and years through moves right. like Microsoft. We should, we should take a note on private cloud as well, because I feel like that's a very interesting kind of conversation, oh, which, yeah. is, which is way often 
way too often put into the background. Uh, uh, it's way too often overseen and overlooked. Um, I cannot emphasize that uh, uh, enough private cloud is something that uh, most of the companies should perhaps look into. But again, just just coming back to that uh, kind of, of conversation here, that kind of news, um, that kind of collaboration with Microsoft Azure to boost developer productivity, as Docker calls it, is basically a Trojan horse. So my recommendation would be get away from it. Do not even think about that. Perhaps do go, go the easy route, uh, do it in a cheap way and uh, install some sort of a managed Kubernetes instead of the real one, the right one, the proper one. Um, but frankly, do not go that route because that's basically uh, uh, some sort of a one-way uh, approach you have. You are never ever coming back, right? Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of the the psychology behind it that that's what they're doing they're saying hey look here's a lot of buttons you can press and they feign that you have a lot of option and a lot of choice but you actually don't because no matter which button you press Absolutely. it will maybe give you a different output but it's the same input it's the same piece of code being run on a closed system and so it will take you ultimately down the route of vendor lock-in absolutely absolutely and that is the thing that needs to be prevented from right vendor lock-in is definitely yeah. nothing uh, uh, that could be that is good in any regard. It is. It's, it simply isn't. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting out of words there. So let's switch to the next news. Um, what I what I've seen as well is uh, that uh, the 2020 Stack Overflow Developer Survey came out, uh, where 65k uh, devs shared their salaries. I'm interested in, in their salaries, frankly, but that's not the topic now. Um, their top <laughs> programming languages and more. Um, and um, interesting read here um, because um, basically um, the, the detailed data is not yet there. Um, by the way, I, I bring all of those uh, uh, links into the show notes later on. Um, and you can find it on our website as well. Um, but the interesting uh, uh, thing, there, are, there is some interesting thing in that. So like, like, for example, how old is the average professional software developer? Like 25 to 29 years. I'm going to kill what myself. Um, I'm frankly, I'm basically part of an of an of, of some sort of a minority. I'm, I'm within those seven point five percent, and damn it, I'm <laughs> too old to code. Now. And that, um, as a developer evangelist, that's awful. Like, oh man, and you are actually too old for your job, aren't you? Really? Yeah, I wonder where they send all the old coder guys. Maybe there's this this old folks home kind of i don't know maybe a project on github called old colder guys <laughs> who knows that would be that would be something awesome um so that is interesting then uh, where are most of the developers uh, uh, coming from like uh, one third coming from the united states uh, and from the united kingdom and uh, no sorry that's the age sorry that's the average age not where are they coming from so um in the states and in the united kingdom they are Pretty old. Are you still there? Where is he? I lost him. Um, guys, I'm going to continue on my own, uh, trying to connect back to Chris because for whatever reason, he managed to jump out. Um, but I feel like that is very interesting. Um, I'm going to uh, take away the camera for a second. Um, just bring myself into it. Um, 
and then you can basically see me here. Um, so um, what we see here then again is basically um, the average age is basically brought up. I hope Chris did not do anything uh, uh, towards himself. Um, the average age is basically uh, uh, brought down by uh, uh, the Indian guys. Uh, looking at all the other figures, it is uh, uh, quite reasonable and uh, some some average age. Um, so then um, what is interesting in there as well, and why did I basically chose uh, uh, um, this kind of um, um, statistic? Um, the interesting aspect is if you look at the professional background um, of the guys being uh, uh, questioned here, um, it is... Um, basically interesting that most of them have a bachelor's or a master degree um, so um, there's a lot of knowledge in there that's a difference to to what we've seen before um, i personally for example am somebody i don't have a degree at all um, so i'm not that kind of uh, um, part of the game there um, and then i wanted to show you um, the most used programming languages like 69.7% are using JavaScript um, and 62.4% uh, are using HTML. So that's basically web-based stuff. 56.9% um, are using SQL database. That looks a lot, at least to me, uh, it looks a lot like uh, a traditional kind of web developers. And then real programming languages, Python, Java, um, C-sharp, TypeScript, PHP. Um, so basically uh, what we see here is that the developer community still is um, pretty much diverse in that regard uh, because there's a huge uh, step from Python to Java or C-sharp and then back to TypeScript. Um, so the interesting aspect is a lot of interesting programming languages but the most, the biggest ones being JavaScript, although many might say that JavaScript is not a programming language at all, Python and Java. So basically um, the same kind of uh, uh, languages um, we uh, uh, basically have seen in the past. But now it turns very interesting because although I, I just get a little bit up again, um, if you look at the languages here, specifically, Rust. Rust is just used by 4.8%. But looking then at the most beloved kind of languages, Rust is the most beloved language with 86.1% with of all the participants saying they love Rust, although just 4.8% used it. Um, TypeScript coming in at second place, Python at the third place, and the traditional ones like C Sharp, Java, uh, C, C++, you know, just on the lower end of the conversation. Um, and the programming language develop developers want to learn next, that's then again interesting because that gives a little bit of an outlook into the future. Python first with 30%, JavaScript, Go, TypeScript, um, Rust, and just below Kotlin, uh, the traditional languages start. So looking into the future, you can extrapolate some information here, um, such as uh, uh, traditional, you know, more like 
compiled languages are a little bit getting out of the game, um, developers are looking into um, a new kind of uh, environment where you basically have interpreted languages uh, instead of those, you know, more traditional heavyweight kind of languages. So that is enough for that. Um, um, I'm afraid that um, uh, uh, Chris might be out for whatever reason. Um, nonetheless, um, I'm switching over to the next news and that is something um, that troubles me a lot. I did not want to bring in politics here, but I need to do that because as a some sort of uh, techie uh, and as some sort of uh, a nerd, which I am, I definitely enjoyed uh, um, the, 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 uh, the start of uh, um, space access rocket uh, towards um, the ISS space station. But what troubled me a lot is basically the headline here. Trump takes credit for the space launch. Um, I, frankly, in regards to politics, two very important aspects. Racism, um, non-diversity, uh, and basically supre supremacy of, of some races over others are definitely nothing, nothing, um, that uh, I would like to see in my life, that I would like to see in this world, and I'm totally against it. Totally. And I fight that wherever I can. And when I see some person such as Donald Trump basically sitting there uh, and claiming everything on his own, which basically started like 10 years ago with uh, Barack Obama investing a lot into uh, NASA and competitors. That basically uh, is uh, unacceptable. Trump basically uh, used that as a manifest um, to uh, uh, basically explain how superior his politics are and uh, how much he is responsible for uh, that kind of uh, uh, success that we've seen past Saturday. But the aspect there is that is just politics. Um, don't take that for granted. And please be aware of there's somebody who is um, actually uh, trying to, to uh, uh, make his advantage out of it. So keep that in mind. Um, that is simply not true. Trump is not the one who could uh, 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 ultimately um, claim the success for himself. So now let's get a little bit away from politics. The last news I want to show you is basically this news from the Chromium blog, where Google is introducing um, so-called web vitals as a new metrics for healthy websites. And what they want to do is they want to uh, use that um, to ultimately, um, ah, Chris is back. Let me get him into the game back. Good morning, Chris. Hey, hey. What? Wait a second. Wait a second. I need to. I need to. Uh, you are visible then again. Awesome. Um, yeah. I need to make you visible then again. Chris, what happened? The wonders of technology. 
Yeah, but you are back, which is great. Um, yes. I basically switched over to the next news. Uh, I, I basically told the world that uh, Donald Trump is um, uh, basically uh, not an option in regard to um, uh, uh, SpaceX's launch. And now I'm looking at uh, the Chromium block uh, with Web Vitals. Um, and I was, I was just about to explain um, that those web vitals uh, uh, would be a new measurement uh, uh, put onto websites. Um, and what Google wants to do with those web vitals is basically they want to bring the results of those web vitals into uh, the search results. Um, and that is something uh, which I feel like is a very interesting move and frankly a move I don't like. Uh, because what they want to bring in is uh, something like LCP, which is largest content full paint. Um, which is a perceived load speed. Um, they want to bring in first input delay as a measure as a measurement, where basically, uh, which basically measures how long a website takes until you can interact with it. And they want to bring in cumulative layout shift. Basically, uh, yeah. your website should be uh, uh, voted down if uh, the content shifts for whatever reason. Um, the point is, frankly, those measurements make sense quite often in regard to the quality of a website. But then again, that brings me back to the thing uh, um, that I was discussing with you in regards to um, some sort of vendor login, because that is basically then again a company using its market stance, uh, uh, being close to a monopoly, um, and basically yeah. using that and utilizing that to, to uh, create its own standards, right? Um, so what is your take yeah, on that? You know, it's, it, what that does is actually give up the principle of relevance and give up the principle of fairness and buy with the most money on top. And it's even unfairer because they're all buying stuff from Google with SEO, with ads, stuff they're pushing money towards Google. And only staple Google had was saying, I'll take everything by relevance. Exactly. The more clicks, the more interest, you know, the more social cloud he has, the higher he'll be in the list. And, you know, it's just, do you have the biggest wallet? You'll be on top. And if not, hey, you know, welcome to the Internet 2020. That's kind of weird. Is that then still the Internet? Or is that something like sort of being resembled to the Internet? I don't know. Uh, the Google Net. Do you know? Do you know what this reminds me of? There's these really awful stories of Nestle going out into the world, and where groundwater, and then they pump out the groundwater and they sell it back for a couple of euros more, and that's what Google now. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Chris, one information: your audio is quite broken. Uh, perhaps if you could grab some earphones, uh -oh. that would make life easier. Uh, but but I, oh, yeah. I, I translated I translated uh, into um, um, acoustically uh, a perceivable language. Um, you were basically referring to Nestle uh, uh, buying uh, uh, water supplies um, and then basically uh, uh, selling bottled water uh, uh, to uh, uh, you know the, 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 the basically the people living there, right? So buying them away their yeah. water supplies um, using their their sheer power. Uh, and then ultimately uh, ensuring that they get their own kind of business being sustained. Um, 
So, yeah, frankly, to me it is close to that. And that's far away from not being evil, isn't it? I mean, frankly, again, the idea is a good one. I, I, I feel like uh, quality should be part of your uh, uh, experience. And uh, to some extent, it should be measured. But what Google is doing there is basically they just try to set the standards. They are not going into some sort of industry initiative. They are not talking towards their market contenders or whatever. They are just trying to set some standards. Um, and that is something which to me is very, very unacceptable. I don't know how you feel about that, but to me that is basically, that's against the idea of a free internet. That's against the idea of, of you know, exactly. not having monopolies in place. Um, so. It's it's also you know I'll I'll break it back down message why why do I do open source why do I work for open source why do I live open it's about fairness it's about inclusion it's and about if choice. I start setting standards saying you're not allowed and only if you can pay you're allowed and no that's that's not open that's not fair exactly that is that is basically monopoly right uh, I, I I I can't think of a different kind of of uh, understanding in that regard. Um, yeah, and, and then again, pretty much the same as with Microsoft and Docker in the beginning. It's like, yeah, we do the world something good, um, but ultimately it is just basically strengthening your market position um, and it's weakening uh, the, the competition, um, right? Um, so what we should do there um, as people being very attracted to open source, very attracted to, to competition, we should oppose that. We should oppose that as much as possible. Pretty much the same way as we oppose Trump for saying I am responsible uh, and it's basically uh, uh, um, proof of my leadership that we were able to bring in SpaceX into uh, the orbit. Oh, wow. That was... Uh, I've, when I, when I, let, let me get back to that news then again because I wanted to, to at least have that... I want to see your reaction there. Um, when oh. I read that one, that Trump basically, uh, 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 what what is visible here for, for the people being on a podcast later on, it basically reads like Trump takes credit for space launch that got its starts a decade ago. Trump did not just take credit for it. Trump basically trumped out uh, like, that <laughs> is true for my great leadership. I was like, yeah. what the fuck? Um, you know, you know what this reminds me of. This reminds me of uh, um, those those uh, famous uh, Soviet uh, uh, kind of leaders in the eighties, like Leonid Brezhnev, um, uh, or of the seventies or sixties, like Nikita Khrushchev, um, where basically that was always you know a sign for their great leadership. That was always a sign for their great politics. But the difference to Trump, frankly. It was sign of what they did, uh, although they forced a lot yeah. of those things, and it was against uh, uh, what was good for the people. Um, but the point is, he is using the same kind of rhetorics, right? Um, and I don't know. Um, that, to me, that sounds a lot, a lot, a lot. And uh, did I say a lot? To me, that sounds a lot, lot uh, uh, like like Russia or China. Uh, and not like the United States of, of America. I um, just wanted to say... I mean, it, so. you know, it, it ties yes. to uh, the article we were talking about before, you know, give enough money and you'll be number one. 
we're back to that topic again, you know. Yeah. Be famous enough, have enough money, then you don't need credibility and you but you know, you're just gonna buy your way through stuff. And yeah, but, but um, speaking of buying your way through, that brings me to the last news I want to discuss with you. Um, and that is I don't know if you heard about that kind of Winget thing by Microsoft. Um, did you hear about that? Oh yeah. Um, I, I let me Isn't let me paraphrase it. Let me paraphrase it uh, uh, for the audience. Um, Winget is basically something Microsoft announced uh, uh, at their Build virtual conference this year. Um, and what they did there was basically uh, they announced it as you know uh, the, the hot cake as as the next big thing. It uh, turned out um, there was a guy. Uh, let me look for his name because they were forced to use uh, uh, to 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 bring him uh, uh, some some credits here. Um, that was Kaivin. Um, and he created uh, a tool called Upget, um, like already several years ago. Um, and what Microsoft did there last year, um, not this year, last year, they basically reached out to him. I, I read that on his blog. Um, they reached out to him um, and they said, yeah, your Upget package manager for Windows is an amazing kind of software. Um, you want to, to basically... Uh, 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 work with us uh, uh, so we can basically include that into Windows. So they offered him a position. There were some uh, 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 very serious kind of conversations. Um, they offered him uh, uh, to, to basically take it over and make it a part of Windows then as Winget or whatever. Um, but he was, he, he, she, uh, they asked him to, to basically, um, uh, you know, uh, give them a little bit more insight into what happened there, what the ideas were and so on and so forth. And then nothing happened nothing happened for like four five six months nothing happened what they did is basically they took his source course because he was a source he was an open source developer so everything was on github um so they took it they looked into it they created their own product which resembles a lot of the things from upget and looks very suspiciously like upget um, even the name is, is pretty close to the original name. And they just said, yeah, look, this is our new open source product. This is Microsoft's Winget and it's part of Windows. And uh, Kevin, um, we want you to contribute to that later on. Um, you, did an off, uh, you did an awesome job uh, 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 in the past. Please contribute to our product because it's better. Um, when I was basically reading that, and, and if you look onto... Uh, um, again, it is linked in the show notes. If you looked onto that uh, uh, blog entry from Microsoft there, they do not even apologize for that. If you look onto that, no. they are basically just saying marketing, <laughs> blah, blah. They are like, yeah, we wanted to do the best thing. And yeah, we were in, we were in intensive discussions. And unfortunately, it did not work out. Yada, 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 yada. Um, and it was like, uh, when I read that, that was like, what the fuck? Um, and then again, it reminded me why you should never ever trust a company such as Microsoft on open source. And um, don't get me wrong, I love Microsoft. I personally have a Microsoft kind of history. I was working with those guys for like 10 years intensively. I love those guys. But the point is Microsoft and open source, um, let me put it that way, not gonna happen and it cannot happen. Uh, and I can tell you why. Because for a company such as Microsoft, open source is only acceptable if they control everything. It makes a lot of sense from a from a commercial perspective. It makes a lot of sense from a 
corporate perspective, right? Uh, because if you are not able to control it, when is the next update coming out? Is it quality assured? Is it backward compatible? So it makes a lot of sense for you to control everything. But that again is or can be against the principles of open source, right? Where you have a community around it, where you have basically an open sourced kind of product where everybody could contribute to, which everybody could take and turn into something way more amazing. Um, and um, that is basically what happened here. Um, they basically took I away mean, the open You know, product. like to, to maybe put, a, put a, another twist on it and be oh, yeah, the please. evangelist that I am. You know what, what, the way that I'm seeing this and to put it into a, a more positive light is that maybe we as open source creators or contributors, communities, have good influence Microsoft. I mean, of course, it will take a while till they adapt, you know, their, their kind of crazy business models they have. It's all, you know, business to business to business. But maybe we are good Do you really feel like things to that finally is, that open is, up? Yeah, but, but do you really feel like that is basically um, an expression of the good influence we have on Microsoft? Really? Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, you at, know, look, you... at, look at, for example, look at, for example, Amazon, which is not Microsoft, obviously. Uh, but look at them. Um, what they did, they basically ripped off MySQL and uh, created their own product then again. Um, and, uh, you know, the My MySQL pro project is basically just the one delivering the base source code. Um, and there are several other projects that are basically treated the same way by Microsoft, by Amazon, by Google. Um, so from my perspective, that is a very, very dangerous kind of behavior because you basically use the work other people did and use it, frankly, according to their terms, but you use it according um, or basically perverting uh, the kind of idea behind it, right? What you basically do is you basically treat them as uh, working apes for you. Um, take their ideas, bring them into your products because they are open source. Um, and you do not contribute back to the community. What they did with, with Kyven was they did not contribute back. They wanted to have the whole stack under their control. Um, and, you know, it would have been some sort of... Uh, uh, giving something back to, to Kaiven or to, to anybody else contributing to that project if they hired him, for example, uh, or if they had given him some, some influence on the, on the product. But they did not do that. Um, and Amazon did not do that with uh, the MySQL uh, and MariaDB kind of guys. Um, and there are several other aspects in that. And what they basically do is, and let me be very clear on that from my perspective, they destroy the open source ecosystem because they basically take away the work other people did that they contributed to a community and they basically fork it, take it, create their own community. Um, and they do not do that just once or twice. They do that systematically. Um, and that is basically why I chose that uh, kind of, of uh, example there because here it is so obvious in other uh, 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 situations, it's not that obvious. Um, but what they basically do is they, they, they destroy the open source community 
by uh, uh, putting hearts on everything and saying, yeah, we love it. Um, obviously, they love it because all the basic fundamental work has already been done, right? Um, and that's my problem yeah. with that. That's my problem. It, it, for me, you know, it ties ties back actually to, to our intro um, where at least, you know, my job here, my mission here is to say open source is about inclusion. It's about yeah. fairness. It's about knowledge transfer. It is about and giving back. willing to give the I'll, I'll players a chance. You know, I, I, I'm love, actually loving from a text what I'm seeing. It's It's trying stuff. It's doing it. But it will be a test because a big part of open source is back to the community it's a given it's a take and you know sometimes when people join groups it takes a while till they actually you know realize what are the rules what you know what's the culture around here and i'm perfectly willing to give a little time on that and say like let's see what happens maybe they are going to start opening up being, being back and then it would actually be a great chance and there'd be more opportunity than limitation absolutely. and that's what it's all about for us here absolutely um Since I know that you are very much time blocked, uh, uh, let's stop it here for this week. Um, basically, we managed to already talk an hour and uh, frankly, looking wow. at what we wanted to discuss, there would have been more points uh, uh, to discuss, um, but that gives us a lot of room for next week. And frankly, I am looking forward to that. I really do. Awesome. Um, Guys, what you are now seeing, and uh, if you are listening to the podcast, what you can't see at the moment, uh, but what you will be linked, what what you will find linked in the show notes is the website we set up uh, for uh, our webcast podcast. Um, the website is available at https double point double slash openclouds.dev. Um, it is uh, free to use for you, <laughs> so we will. Uh, uh, We will basically uh, uh, bring in some news there. And we have a poll there. The current poll for this week is what is your preferred cloud environment? Microsoft Azure, Amazon AWS, Google Cloud, Alibaba Cloud, Telecom OTC, OVH Cloud, Oracle Cloud, Private Cloud, or what is a cloud? Um, you know, look into that, vote for that. Um, <laughs> and even if uh, uh, Chris actually managed to basically crash his telephone, um, We are looking very much forward to next week. Um, you can find us uh, uh, at the internet. Uh, uh, Chris is, 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 uh, um, uh, is uh, with, with LinkedIn. Um, so you can find him uh, at linkedin.com slash in slash Chris Branson. Um, I'm available at Twitter, Facebook, uh, uh, LinkedIn, um, and pretty much other, every, uh, every other social network, you know, with the exception of TikTok, because... Okay, um, and um, you will find my uh, 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 handles uh, in the show notes and um, I'm really much looking forward to next week. Chris, this is going to be awesome. Um, thank awesome, you for your time. This, um, this was I'm, so much fun. And we will have the next round of fun next week. Um, thank you so much. Cool. Uh, openclouds.dev is our homepage. Ah, we created a Twitter, uh, 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 we, we created a Twitter uh, uh, channel as well. Um, there's no content yet, but uh, uh, follow uh, our Twitter, hand Twitter handle, which is OpenCloudStaff. Um, and you can ask us questions, you can give us feedback, and we really, really love to have that kind of feedback. Chris, I do not want to see you for the next seven days. Oh, well, no, I will. I, 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 I want to. I love it. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. 
Let's do that again. <laughs> Great experience to everybody. Please like, share, subscribe, and send us ideas. Uh, we are up for all kinds of nonsense up here. We're limited. Oh yeah, sensor. we are looking. We are looking for your bad jokes. Fake. Send us your bad jokes. The best bad joke is going to be part of next week's episode. Over and out, I'd say. See you later. Have a great time. Have a great day. Bye bye. See you. Bye. <laughs>